to Heavenly Father, Lord, after such a wonderful camp. Lord, is it time for us that in Jesus' name pressing on, Lord? Lord, is the meetings as they give us such a strength? Have they impacted our life so much? But Lord, we know that you still hasn't come yet, Lord. We know the rapture still hasn't coming. Hasn't, uh, our body change hasn't come yet. But that's the time that we need a pressing on, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the strength that you give it to us. Lord, we thank you for the words that we heard. But Lord, it's time for us to put on the whole armor of God and the fighting with every strength that you give it to us. Lord, we're pressing on in your name. Father, we give you thanks that for everything that you've done to us in the last few meetings. Lord, how we're thankful. We're forever thankful, Lord. Let us know that a God is still God that's speaking. That you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you are the mighty one, Lord. And now we know that mighty one is living in us. It's not just far away. It's not a million miles away. But this mighty one, this mighty God that is living in his bride. So, Father, we can boldly come before you. And through the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, then go into the holiest of the holy. And know that we can meet our God in the kind of glory. That we can, whatever that we need, Lord, you have already provided to us. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, as this uh, meeting this morning, Lord, you know how weak that I am, how fragile that we are, Lord. But Lord, we're not depending on ourselves. We're totally depending on you. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, Lord, we can do everything. Because it's not that we live, but it's the you that living in us. Lord, I commit this service into your hand. May the Holy Spirit, Lord, take the word, go to each heart, and meet the hungry heart, and to satisfy every one of us, meet the need of the people. We know there's some... There's a need that seems like it's almost impossible. But Lord, you're the one that specializes in the impossible things. So Lord, we have prayed and we prayed it again. Lord, you're the mighty one. You're the healer. Lord, you're the miracle worker. And we pray for it our Diaz, Lord. Lord, Satan has no rights in our brothers. Lord, he's got to take his hand off of the prophet of God. Lord, when you, Lord, when you are walking on the ocean, walking on the sea, Lord, you just say one word of peace. Then the whole storm has come to calm. Lord, you can speak it one word. Then it take the sicknesses out and let my brother rise up again. Lord, you're the one that resurrected the dead one. You're the one that do the miracle. Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit break the dark cloud and go to the room. Lord, raise our brother up again. Father, we give you all the thanks. Lord, you're the one that we trust in. Lord, I commit this service into your hands. Let the Spirit of God move on behalf of us, through the people, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the Scripture, First John. Chapter 4.
verse 4. The Bible said, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And as I read a little further on, verse um, 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have a boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. And I think we all experienced the wonderful, the dealing of the Lord uh, in the last few meetings uh, in the camp. And I'll say myself was uh, greatly uh, impacted by the word of God uh, that the brother Tim Pruitt, the brother Timothy Pruitt, and the brother David Meyer that has been preached. Uh, you know, the word of God has um, uh, preached to us in such a level and uh, they lift us, uh, lift us up to such a level. And when we take a hold of the Word of God, if we put it in practice, and um, uh, you will see how the Word of God is the mighty conquer on the battle from. You know, it's, um, it's the preaching the Word is the one thing. But after the preaching the, of the Word, uh, literally the ball is on our lap, is on your lap. And that is the time for us to not only listening to the Word, but to act upon what we heard. And the word is supposed to uh, increase our faith. And the word has already increased our faith. But you must have put the faith into the, to the battlefront to work. Uh, let the uh, faith to act. Uh, let the uh, faith to, um, uh, to do things, uh, to conquer. Because you have a situation you need to uh, conquer. You have a difficulties. You have a trials that you're going through. That the things that in your life we have to deal, deal with. See, the camp meeting is not over. The camp meeting just continue on. Because now it is our responsibility to do with uh, what is the word has told us to do. You know, when, um, when the word of God has, um, uh, done the, such a special thing and has, um, uh, in such, um, um, uh, impacted the people's life, whenever that a person met God, they can never be the same. Good or bad. When the word of God, it was, uh, if you saw the Holy Spirit anointed the word, and the preaching is such a reality. And that's, uh, uh, sometimes I find that it's a, it's a great fear that has come on myself. Because if the word has been preached in such an intensity, with a, such a power, and when you saw the people still didn't give their heart to the Lord, and still you see the word has preached to them just day after day, night after night, and the people was still not moved by it. And not to, uh, to act uh, quickly, to uh, follow what is the word has to tell us to do. Uh, that's then the great fear 
than in me. Then I also started thinking, if the word like this cannot change people, what else can change people? And if you saw that the people still, that the deep down in their heart is not convicted and to surrender their whole life to God. Because when God asks you, He give it, a, uh, give, preach the word to you. He doesn't just ask for, uh, part of yourself surrender to Him. But He ask of, uh, ask for a hundred percent yourself to the surrender to Him. And if you saw the people still cannot surrender themselves, then go back to that old rot and it again. That shows that there is a spirit under the person. It's not from the Holy Spirit, but it's the Spirit of God of this evil age. And that that has blinded the person and then bonded the person. And then you saw there's another uh, category of the people. And maybe the Satan has to tell those people that come before the altar and said to them, you know, you just impersonation. You know what you're going up there, and it just, you just follow everybody else. You go before the altar, and just, uh, raise up your hand, or do this, and then do that. You know, the devil, when he take you to a right, uh, is that a word? Take you for a ride? Yeah. When the devil take you for a ride, you're right along with him. I know it's kind of a weird, but I'll give you the quotes afterward. You're right along with him. If the devil tell you, said, you know, you're just impersonating. Once you're going up to the front, you're just impersonating other people doing that. You just tell the devil, you're right, devil. On my flesh, maybe because of the pressure of the people that I go to the front and I try to lift up my hand, I try to don't want to get embarrassed. But down in my heart, since I'm already come to the front, I might as well just give my whole heart to the Lord. And when the devils that try to say to you, try to lie to you, and tell that there's nothing happens, you said maybe there's on my flesh, there's nothing happens, but down at the bottom of my heart, Lord, I do yearning and hungry and thirsty for you. When he take you for a ride, you take him for a ride too. Don't just give in. Don't just uh, follow that as a lie. Said, oh, there's a nothing happened. There are something happened. There is something that happened in your own heart that you give your heart to the Lord. No matter what it shows on the outside or don't shows on the outside, you know what's happening in your heart. You know what is the desire that in your heart. And the brother Branham said uh, in one of his experience, and he, uh, Oh, he just uh, he said in the divine love. He said that's how much I know about God. He, he uh, when he given his heart to the Lord, and he knows very little about God. He doesn't even know how to pray. Should I pray like this or should I, should I pray like that? But then he said, but right there when I love him, and I said, you know what? I've been so mean that he wouldn't even talking to me, and I said, I guess I'm a loss for good then. And I started crying. I said, well, sir, I'm going to confess my sin anyhow. I said, I'm no good. And I said, you're all good. But when I was dying there in the hospital, I told you I would talk it over with you. And this is all I can do. He said, about that time, a light circle across and a cross come on the wall. My sin left. When love had been projected, sovereign grace took its place. 
When you have that love that the God has to preach the word to you. When you have the love in you, say the Lord, I do love you. I don't even know how to do. And though my flesh is telling me the difference, but in my heart, at the bottom of the heart, Lord, I desire it of you. You saw, you will see God will come on the scene to this sincere full heart. Then a brother Abraham said, and in another uh, the message, in the same, he talked about the same experience. He said, so I was trying to find out how to do it. He said, I didn't know how to pray. He said, I made my hands, then I lay down like this. He said, of course, Satan come on the scene then. And said, you see, you waited too long. You're already 20 years old. There's no need of a trying now. Don't think that just Satan talked to you. Satan talked to the prophet. How much more he would talk to you. And he, as I said, he would take you for a ride. He said, and nothing happened. But look at it. What is the prophet did? He was a young. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to pray. He have no idea. Nothing. Because he doesn't have to come from the religious background. He's as poor as he can be. He's even worse than what you young people. You're born here. You're reached up in here. You hear the word day and night. You hear it preach out of the word. From Wednesday to Sunday, you have a way better place than he had. He said, then I got all broke up. He said, I started crying. And then when I really got broke up, I said, I'm going to talk. If you don't talk to me, he said, I'm going to talk to you anyhow. He said, so I said, I'm no good. Devil said, you no good? What did the prophet say? He said, yes, you are. I, I, I am no good. He said, I'm ashamed of myself. But Mr. God, I know you hear me somewhere. You will hear me. And I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed that I haven't neglected you. If the devil's telling you that I said, you're no good. You tell the devil, you're right, I am no good. But he is the one that is all good. I'm not coming before the altar because I'm a good or not. I'm coming before the altar because I want to meet to the one that is all good. That's one that you will be God. And Brother Bram said, there it was. He said, he said, sir, I don't understand and then he said, about that time, I look up, and a funny feeling swept over me. And here come a light, moved through the room, and it made a cross like that. And the voice that I never heard in my life talked, I look at it just cold all over, numb from scars. I'm numb from scared. I couldn't move. I stood to look at it, it went away. I said, sir, I don't understand your language. I said, if you can't talk my and I don't understand yours. And if you have forgiven me, I know that I'm supposed to be reckoning that cross there somewhere. That my sins were supposed to lay in there. And if you will forgive me, just come back and talk in your own language. And I will understand by that. If you can't talk my language, I said, you just let it come again. There he was again. Oh my goodness. He said, there I got my absolute. God can come on, come in a way to the prophet and God come in a way to you. No matter what way he chooses to come to you, he might choose the way he can let you to come before the altar. There's a some the you feeling that you feel. He might choose to for other people. They might not feel nothing, but the word is not supposed to be felt. The word, the word is supposed to be believed. When the word has to preach to you, then the word anchored in your heart. Lord, I'm not coming here just for searching for feeling. If you give me the feeling, that is great. But if you don't give me the feeling, Lord, I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to repent my sin. I'm still going to pressing on. 
But Abraham said, there I got my absolute. He said, I fell with a load of a 40 ton lift off my shoulder. I walked down through that floor where I couldn't even touch the ground. He said, there was a railroad. I'm running down the rail track, jumping up in the air just as hard as I could. I saw some of you doing that. And don't let the devil tell you there's nothing happened. Don't let a fear drop on you. You said, what then? No, what then? What then is pressing on. Keep following the Lord. Forget about the back. Following the Lord. Keep walking with the Lord. This is the first week that you're walking with the Lord. This is the first Sunday service. Say, Lord, the camp is over, but I'm still here. This is my first day. I'm going to walk in with the Lord. You make up a determination on the altar. You make that determined. And if keep falling off, keep walking with the Lord. Keep walking with His Word. This is the real battle started. The real battle is continuing on. He said, oh, if I know how to shout... I was shouting, but in my own way, you say. He said, I had anchored my soul in heaven of rest. That settled it. That was my absolute. There I had found something, not some mystical, some idea. I had talked with the man. I had talked with that man that told me never to drink or smoke or do anything that would defile myself or his woman and so forth. When I got older, that would be the word for me to do. I had contacted him, not a church. I had contacted him. Hallelujah. Young people, listen to me. You're not a contact to the brother Tim Pruitt. You haven't contact to brother David Meyer or brother Timothy or Pruitt or brother Murphy or brother Tom or whoever you contact. It's not just you shaking hands, but you contact with him. Him is the word. When you go over there, when you raise up your hand, when you're listening to word, you're literally getting literal contact with the word. That is the Christ himself. When you get a contact with him, then in your heart something rises up. I want that. That desire is what the Holy Ghost put it in you. What is the token message after that is the desperation. But Abraham said in the first of the paragraph, that said, I know what you in your mind. You want to ask, how do I know? He said, look what you before and look what you now. Then he continues, he said, look what you desire before and what you desire now. Look at what you desire a few weeks ago. Look at what you desire a few months ago. And look at what you desire now. You're sitting on there. You're hungry for God. You're yearning for God. That desire shows it's the Holy Ghost to put in there. If the Holy Spirit put that desire in there, Holy Ghost will make that desire. Still by the word of God. He contacted him. And him is that word. Then Brother Bram is talking about, he said at one time, he said, like the fellow down here at Kiwani, he said, right after the first word, he talked about a brother Funk. He said, standing there, being a soldier. He said, it's kind of sound jokey, but this is no place for a joke. But here's what he said. He said, it was here in New Albany. And he said, um, when during the Second World War, he said that the captain taking us out said, the whole country there is invested with the Japs. He said, tomorrow, boys, we go in and we got to take them. Do you realize that sooner or later you have to face face with Satan? Yeah. 
He's not just a mess. He's not just a, somebody uh, just uh, talking about his uh, mental uh, uh, matter or some of uh, just mental things. But he's uh, just as real as you are real. And this is the time that you have to facing devil, no matter you want to or not. What are you going to face to Satan? Your knowledge will not be able to face Satan. Your psychology will not be able to face Satan. Your intellectual understanding will not be able to face Satan. Your feeling or emotion will not be able to face Satan. But you must face him face to face with the mean man that is in you. With the Christ that is in you. With that Holy Spirit that you believe and that you received that during the camp time. That is the one that will face him. Is that you try to face him, you will fail. If you try to with your determination, you will fail. But the one that's living in you, he face to face with Satan. Then he said, remember boys, there's many of us standing here today that won't be there tomorrow. Then he continued on. He said, it won't be here tomorrow. He said, tomorrow. He said, now each one of you get to his own religion. This guy said, he said, I didn't have any religion. This is Mr. Fong. He said, I still there. He said, all the rest of them. And here come a chaplain one this way, and a Protestant one that way, and a Jewish one this way, and a Catholic one that way. The chaplain said, oh, I still there. He said, the commanding officer said to me, boy, you better go to your religion. And he said, I ain't got any. And he said, you better be uh, getting some, because you're going to need some right away, I'm sure. You know, you have to need your religion too. Your religion cannot be just the church goer. That won't do, the, that won't meet the devil. Your religion cannot be just uh, on the tails of your mom and dad. That won't do the work. You guys have some heartfelt religion which is made real to you. And he said about that time, he saw a bunch of people going then, uh, just make a long story short. Then he followed uh, one of uh, the Catholic. And he said, uh, uh, could you give me some religion? And the, the man said, come on. Then he went in there and made a Catholic out of me. You see, this has to be, you said, if this, uh, this world is going to only convert people to a certain mental um, uh, things. But you know, God doesn't just uh, change our mental uh, faculty. He's not just a change your mind over. Said, so now you become a, you know, a Christian or a believer. He changed your life. Is the need of something that was in nature and a desire was totally transformed. Yeah. It's the next day in the combat. He said, uh, uh, he's a, he said they were stabbing with knives and screaming and a cutting and slash. And the lion was got twisted up. He said it got right around. He said one of them Jeffs. And then we'll walk right into it. And then big old machine guns blow, bellowing from every side. And a hand-to-hand combat. And then he said, directly, I stopped. He said, everything screams and carry on. You couldn't even hear yourself. And there is a blood. He said, look, it was my blood. And he said, look here, there is a hole in my side. He said, that was my blood. He said, then the Catholic friend... And uh, he said, I'm not saying this for fun now, but a real royal Catholic friend said, did you see Hail Mary? And he said, no, sir. He said, that's my blood. I didn't want any secretaries. I said, I want to talk to the mean man. 
He said, yes, sir. He said, that was my blood. You know, friends, you don't want to just talk to the secretary. You want to talk to the mean man. Anything else is just a secretary. You want to talk to Christ. You want something that really happens to you. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it just as something feeling for it. Just okay, that's it. No, you want to talk to the mean man. You want your life to be changed. You want your nature, your desire to be changed. He said, I think that's about the way it is. Yes, sir. That's the way it goes. We got to have a tie post. Yes. An absolute. Amen. And said, I have no time for his secretary. No. said, I want to talk to him. And that said, brother, when a man comes to Christ, you don't want to take some preacher's word, some secretary's word, something else. You Protestant, don't take this or that or the other. Go to that absolute until you are anchored there by the new birth, being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And you see the Bible being manifest in humility and love through your life. Then that is your absolute. Now your battle already started. This is the time after the camp. You got to meet the mean man. I think a brother Tim was saying at the end of the service, it's not just one done. This is the battleground. This is a continual combat. Hand to hand with him. What you need to do, you said, Brother Murphy, what do I need to do? Go back to the word. Let your experience establish in the word. When you come to the church with a new expectation, with a, such a desire that in your heart, Lord, I want to meet you. Lord, I cannot just carry it, just a camp experience, just going on with the experience. I must use that experience, lifting him up, but then I must establish myself, become a solid on the foundation. The foundation is the Christ, is the word of a God revealed personally to you. He said, I said, then all I need, Lord, is to believe this. Brother Branham said, he pointed in his Bible, and this, that cross honor, the Christ came, is perfect all the way. Every word that he ever said, take the book in his hand, the history in his hand, and just vindicate it right straight down. It's perfect. And I said, then Lord, receive me. And when I did, I received the Christ, the Holy Spirit in my heart, my absolute. He said, it hasn't been me. He become a changed person. You know, young people, that's what we need to do. I think the older people are alike. It doesn't mean just the young people. Everyone alike, including myself. When we hear the, the word, the word is changing me. It's changing my nature, changing my desire. Want me to be further walking closer with the Lord. And that's what is the word supposed to be. When I hear the, the word, I don't take it as for others. I take that word as for my personally. And when, they, when you do that, you will never be the same. When you come out from the camp like that, coming out from the word like that, you can never be the same anymore. But you see, what you experienced, you have to let it be solidified or established, become a solid, that it with some the foundation, with the absolute. Because only when that absolute, when you anchored yourself in that, which is the word of God, revealed this age to you personally, then nothing is going to shake you. You become unshakable. 
What were tested that? Time will be tested that. Trials were tested that. That's what the message was just quoted to you. You need something that you meet, that you need to meet the mean man. It's not just the secretary, but it's the mean person, the Christ that you need to meet. When you meet him, he's not just a living outside of you, but he's a living in you. He's not just a living amongst us, but he's a living in you personally. It's the perfect one that's living in you. When the perfect one living in you, he is the greater one that is the living in you. And greater is he, as we quote in the scripture, 1 John 4, 4, great is he that is in you. Then nothing going to overcome you. And you can overcome everything. Brother Bama said in Hebrew chapter 5, he said, for where is town? They shall cease. Where is the prophecies? Prophet says, it shall fail. Where there is all these other things will fail. But when that which is perfect is to come, that which is in part will be done away with. See, that perfect, what is the perfect? Love. What is the love? God. Let us lay aside all these little dead works and ordains and go on to perfection. What? He said, he said, you see it? We are perfected through Christ. And Christ is the word in this hour. How do we get into it? By Holy Spirit baptism. Holy Spirit will lead you back to the word. He will not lead you to anything else, but to what is the word of a God has said. But when you have the Holy Ghost, you have the perfect one, the living in you. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have the, the perfect love that now living in you. He said, all right, what happens? He said, you pass from death unto life. Well, you said, do I shake, jump or do it? He said, you won't have to do nothing. He said, you've already done it. You already done what? You already done pass from death to life. By what? By the baptism of the Holy Ghost. By the literal life of Jesus Christ living in you. No matter how young you are, how old you are, when you have the Holy Ghost in you, you have the literal life of Jesus Christ living in you right now. He said, you already done it. God brought you from death unto life. And you are alive. He said, then your fruit of your life will show it. It's not saying that we don't need an emotion. It's not, so, it's not saying that we don't need the feeling. We do need that. Without that, that proof you're dead. Because if there's no emotion, no feeling, you better bury that. That is something dead. We want God moving in. We want the, the, the passion that's in the believer. We want the fervency that in our son, that in our daughter. We don't want it just a log sitting there. We want the word that can break them. The word that can excite them. The word that can thrill them. That is the things that our children need it. And I'm not glad that God has brought this to us by the preaching of the word. But you see, you don't have to do those things in order for you to get to the Holy Ghost. 
But you did those things is because you got to the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost because you die to yourself. You repent and baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the promised word of God. You receive the life through the hearing of the word. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of a God. And the brother said in a question and answer, he said, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with. What is the perfect? And then he said, and we have, we do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with the divine vindication. Amen. God has given you the perfect one, as the perfect can be. He's perfectly vindicated His word to be the truth. So the young people, if you do want to get closer to the Lord, do as Brother Ed tell Brother Tom to do. Go down to the basement, pointing to all the tapes, said if you want to get closer, if you want go, want God, and nothing but God, go into those tapes. And then I can say the same thing to you. It's not going to the basement or go opposite there. Go to the word that God has given to you. You have that on your disposal. You have that in your MP3, in your cell phone. Instead of spend time on a stupid, foolish things, spend time Time on the word of a God, and you will find that that word of a God is a perfect word of a God, and that will give you the perfect life, perfect love that is within you. The battle started now, after the can, and it's a silent battle. Devil try to wear you out. Devil will never excite you out. But he will wear you out. Devil will not shout you out. But he will silently kill you. He will silently come into you. A little thing here. A little thing there. Chisel a little here. And eat a little here that way. Before you know it, you go back to the old rod again. That's the battle started. After your experience. But I'm so thankful God has done something real in our young people's life. When He done something that real in our young people's life, He will never let you down. He will never let you go. The unfailing presence of a God will ever, forever with you. What you need to do, you just need to yield yourself to it. Yield yourself to the dealing of the Word. Yield yourself to the preaching of the world. Yield yourself to the message of this hour. Did you receive the perfect one? Did you receive the perfect word? You received the perfect Christ in this hour has been vindicated. But why sometimes it seems nothing happened? Why something, why sometimes it feels like right after it, it seems like it fizzled all the way? Did you feel that way? The daily work, the daily life, just seems like the right after that, just make it all the thrill, the excitement, become start to going down, start to fading away, start to fading away. 
But I need you to remember, you received a perfect Christ. His perfect life now living in you. Through the vindicated word in this hour. You know, the preacher is not a preach something beyond the message, but a preacher preach something under this message. Because under the message, and that the bride become the final voice in this final age. We're not trying to preach something not in the message, it's in the message. Instead of what you need to do, you just need to yield yourself to that perfect word. That perfect word is the person that is through, though some, though sometime it come in a letter form or in the voice form. But when you keep drinking it, when you keep eating it, when you keep yielding yourself, that fruit will automatically come. All the potentials is all in that apple seed. Yes, you plant it, you water it, as long as the apple seed keep drinking the water, then the water will manifest what is the apple is in that little seed. It's not that the water is the seed, it's not that the water is the apple, but the water will manifest what is the potential that's in that seed. It's the word that the Holy Spirit will manifest what's already in you, what you already heard, that gene that is in you, that potential that is in you, the life of a Christ that is in you, is all through the word now dwelling in you. But you need to drink it. When you drink it, when you keep yourself in a right atmosphere, when you keep yourself in the right word, in the right friendship, in the right fellowship, not hanging around with the wrong influence, then those things will manifest what is already that in your life. It's not your life living anymore, but it's the life, the perfect life of Jesus Christ living in you. Then we'll keep drinking it. The fruit will keep bearing. We'll keep coming. We'll keep pushing out. The life that living in you had a power. And that life is perfect. But you're not perfect. The life in you is perfect. But you're not perfect. Your mind is not perfect. I'm not saying that you're in sin. Though we're living in an insane world, and we're living as an insane body. You know there's a body just to do everything that he wants to do? No matter how you try to take care of it, how you try to eat healthy, it just grows things that I don't want to grow. It just starts to manifest things that I don't want to manifest. The wrinkle comes, the teeth start falling off, the bones start getting hurting. It's not by your will. Why? Because you're not perfect. But you leave, you have a life that is a perfect now living in you. Because now it's not I live, but Him living in me. And greater is He that is living in you. This, this scheme where am I eating this body away? But thank God there's a body waiting for me. You're not perfect. But yet that life you receive 
is perfect. It's not a hibernating life that is living in you. Because it's not a hibernating word that you received. It's not you being tested, but it's the word has been tested. That word now living in you has been tested. God will never give you inoculation without a test of that inoculation. It's a perfect and it's right and it's work. When Christ has attested to that, that inoculation, that life is right in you now. And you have to understand that the manifestation of that perfect life in you is gradually. It's in stage. It's like in an apple. When is a water start to coming? When is the apple started drinking? And it's through the roots, it go to the stalk and go to the branch, go to the leaf, and then it start to blossom, and then it start to bear an apple. Does it bear the apple, red apple in the beginning? No. It bear green apple. Is that a big red Washington? Right, right, uh, right away? No. Every red Washington is a green when it started. If you try to bite to the green apple, sour. There's no mellow in there. There's no taste in there. There's no sweetness in there. It's just a little green naughty apple there. But there's a perfect life in there. There's a perfect apple in there. God did it well. God planted that seed. He doesn't see just a green apple. Why? Because he says, this is not finished. I'm going to shine a light upon it. I'm going to let a trial come, a difficult come, that a mocking come, that environment rise up, that circumstances rise up. For what? Not for that apple drop, but for that apple become sweet. There's a perfect life in every green apple here. There's a perfect Christ life that every young people know how green you are. Maybe you said, I'm not sweet. I'm not mature. But there's a perfect life in there. We're not biting you and you don't bite yourself. We're not trying to bite and you said, oh, so sour. Only one week? Are you kidding me? One week and you cannot even hold on for one week? Don't buy that apple. If I don't bite you, sometime you really want to bite them. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. What's the problem with you? Can't you just get in a little lighter? Can't you just get in a little sweeter? Be patient. Lay in the presence of a God. What you need to do, mom? What you need to do, father? Live a token life. That sunshine from you will ripen that apple. Church, what we need to do? Live a life of a Christ that will ripen that young person. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're aiming to do. And that's what we're determined to do. If I don't bite you, uh-huh. you don't bite yourself. No matter how grinny look, no matter how unsweetened I look, always focus, focus on the inside. 
There's a perfect word you ever received. There's a perfect Christ that's living in you right now. And that perfect life, if I gave myself to the dealing, if I gave myself to the presence of God, if I gave myself on Wednesday, on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, if I gave myself, when I'm driving, I'm listening to it. When I'm at home, I'm listening to it. When I give myself to it, and that life will automatically grow up. You drink, it push. You drink, it push. You listen, it push out. You listen, it push out. What is the parents the most feared about? Mm-hmm. They fear it about it just a camp experience. Yeah. And to come back to the old, come back and become just like you used to be. What is the young people's fear it about? I don't think you fear it about uh, the world are going to be ends or atomic bomb going to fall or an earthquake going to happen. They fear it about the Lord. I don't want to go back to the old world again. I don't want to go back to what I used to be. I believe it was something was uh, dealing with him. Something was changing. But Lord, I don't want to be just an experience. I don't want to just go there and uh, I try to hold on. I try to hold down. I determine to hold on. Then you start seeing the influence from the outside. It gradually start to eat you up, eat you up. And the worst thing is, you can do nothing about it. Yeah. It seems like it is like the cancer. Start from one cell, you just can't stop it. Is that a sum of you fear? Mm. You know what is the fear? The scripture we just read, it said that there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. When you keep live, when you keep living in that perfect love, your parents cannot give you a perfect love. The minister cannot give you a perfect love. Your brothers and sisters cannot give you a perfect love. Perfect love only belongs to Christ, and that's the Holy Spirit that is living in you. You have to give your heart to Him. But you must constantly living in there and feeding that. But let's talk about this fear. Fear in the Greek. It means, is a phobos. That's where the word, English word phobia, that come from. Then I check on a Wikipedia. What is a phobia? Is a phobia is a type of anxiety disorder defined by a persistent and excessive fear of an object or situation. Is that a phobia can be divided into a specific phobia, social phobia. Who got a social phobia? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Many of us have that. I have that. You know, I was born to be a child that didn't want to social with anybody. If I come down in front of the people to speak, I literally stuttered. 
I'm probably doing it right now because, but not because of phobia, because of English. But that's what I used to be. <laughs> but you see, there's many people that have a different type of phobia. I'm not trying to be a psychologist. I'm just telling you. <laughs> what is it here? Some people have a social phobia. And then he said, some got a, a agro, agoraphobia. Agora or agra? Agoraphobia? <laughs> he said, what is agoraphobia? It's a type of anxiety disorder in which you fear and avoid places or situation that might cause you to panic and make you feel trapped, helpless, or embarrassed. Some people got a phobia, they just don't like certain place. As soon as they went to a certain place, they just scared to death. I got a phobia of needles. I think a lot of people you have. I feared about the needle. And I fear about the blood. Can you even believe I'm preaching the blood now? I remember when I was, uh, just before I get married, and in China, uh, before they, you get married, they have to give you a physical test. I don't know if they do it here or not. I guess they have to test you to see if you can marry it or not. So they didn't give me a mental test, but they gave me a physical test. They said, we have to draw your blood. And uh, you and your wife and them take the blood and do the blood test and see if you're fitable for marriage. And when uh, me and my wife, uh, we haven't got married, but we just before, we get a, get a, a, the, the, um, uh, the paper, we have to go to get a, a physical test. So we went to the hospital, and a nurse taking a big noodle, I'm not noodle, big. <laughs> they take a big needle, and they come out, and they look at me, and said, uh, who want to be the first? I said, she. <laughs> and then, then I was sitting there, they, take, they put a needle in my wife's hand, taking the blood, when I look at the blood, I pass it out. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. But then afterward, I'm thinking, my wife is probably thinking, are you kidding me? I'm going to live with this man my whole life? <laughs> but phobia. And the certain things that happen to the people, when you have them, it's not necessarily, it's real, not necessarily a hurt or this, but it's the things that to that certain person, it becomes such a fear. And whenever the same inner situation rises up, the fear come up, oh, not again. And he said it was a, it's the, it's the, the phobia, the anxiety, it caused the people panic and feel trapped, helpless, and or embarrassed. Doesn't it sound like in the book of Exodus? When also people, and that God has done such a miracle to them. And the miracle after miracle and to them. And when they go out of Egypt and facing the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, it seems like everything just lost. And then they feel themselves, it's just trapped or helpless or becoming embarrassed and don't know where to go. It's almost the same like in a Gehiza. Then he was the servant of the prophet Elisha. Then when, they, uh, when the Syrian army is come, 
Then all of a sudden, they saw that everybody is surrounding them. Then they said, Alice, Alice, and we're going to die. And they forgot that during that in this situation or in their helpless state, but there's still profit in there. There is still that a ministry has been proved, has been vindicated for that hour to take them out of Egypt. That ministry never left to them. God never leaves them helpless and hopeless. And God will never leave you helpless and hopeless. No, many times the similar situation rises up. It seems like the same difficulty rises up. It seems like the same habits rise up. It seems like the same Satan and try to grab you in again. But don't you forget the greater that is living you. Now it's the greater than anything else that is on the outside. The greater is not living outside, but the greater is a living in you. And when a person got a phobia, he said that the phobia typically results in a rapid onset onset of fear, and is present for more than six months. The affected person goes to great lengths to avoid a situation or object to a degree greater than the actual danger post. Do you realize Satan is always look bigger than he really is? And our problem is always to look bigger than he really is. And it seems like the word of God almost always looks smaller than he really is. And some people might come to the phobia and come to, you know, I, you know, I, I try to get rid of this habit, but it seems like that habit will come back again. You know, I want to be fervent, but it seems like the lukewarmness just creeping in again. I give my heart to the Lord, but it seems like I can't feel Him any, anymore. I don't know where He went. He never went anywhere. He just went deeper in you. He's not just to the outside, but he wanted deeper than in your heart. He wants your experience not be just to the outside, but he wants your experience become a deeper than with him. He wants to establish you. But you see, at a certain time, a certain situation rise up. If we don't see the immediate help come, it seems like we went into the phobia. And the things that we are trying to overcome then become a sins greater than it will ever be. And then uh, he said, if the fear object, fear object or situation cannot be avoided, the fact that a person experiences significant distress. And we always try to avoid what actually what God put in front of us. Because that's the cure. Even the scientists have said, he said it is recommended that specific phobias be treated with exposure therapy where the person is introduced to the situations or objects 
in question until the fear resolved. The best cure for the phobia is to introduce them to the object and the situation that they feared. The best way to, they do, uh, sometimes the people got a phobia of height. When they get into the certain height, they just can't function. What is the best cure for that? Take them to the Twin Tower. Just get them to the higher place. And time after time, and time after time, when they expose them, when they get used to that, they'll find, hey, it's not too bad. I actually got a better view than the whole survey. Do you know that's the same thing that God did to you? You know why God is time after time, He sent us to the camp. He sent us to the church. I wonder if sometime some of our people have a camp phobia. Lord, I don't want to just go there and come out still the same. And sometimes even getting worse. We'll say that's a camp phobia. But do you remember, but do you know what is this dealing with that situation of phobia? Expose them, introduce them to that situation. Time after time after time. When time after time they be introduced to the situation, it's not trying to destroy you, it's not trying to let you have a phobia, but it's to cure your phobia. You said, Lord, I'm afraid if I go there, and then when I come back, still the same. Lord said, I will introduce you to there again. And this time will be different. Why? Is it going to, God said, I'm going to cure that thing forever for you. I'm not going to let you just go there and come back to the same. I'm going to do the one time deal and at once for all. What has a chasing you? What a phobia has a pursuing you? I'm going to cure that thing. You are never going to be the same because of my word has a dealing with you. I have to put my perfect word that is in your life. And your life is forever changed. Some people, they have a church phobia. Yeah. That's why you need to come to church. Sometimes they have a Wednesday church phobia. That's why you need to come on Wednesday night. Some of you got a preacher phobia. Not Brother Murphy again, please. What is the cure of that? <laughs> the situation, no. <laughs> the situation you're experiencing, how do you know that is the cure that stems from divine? When you have a situation you cannot overcome, it seems like a time after time after time. But still you keep coming. Still the Lord keep dealing. Still the Lord keep talking to you. What is that? He sends you the remedy. He sends you the cure. The things that you are phobia about, that is the thing the Lord wants you to overcome. Because in that overcoming of that phobia, there is a victory. 
in that overcoming over the phobia, you will find that as the brother Thomas had preached it before, there's a honey in that a dead lion. There's an overcoming joy when you overcome Satan. When Satan puts a lukewarmness time after time to you, and the time after time, God sends you right into that storm. Time after time, God sends you into that situation. It's not because you're helpless. It's not because you're a phobia. But in that, there's a power of God. He said, and now the perfect one living in you, he got enough power to overcome that phobia. God put us into the situation and put us into the circumstances. He wants you to overcome that. And the one that is overcoming is now living in you. And the scientific said the medication are not useful in this type of a phobia. The psychology is not useful in this. The theology, the theology is not useful for this. And just mind over matter, positive thinking is not gonna overcome this. But God introduced you, expose you time after time. Then I have a right to believe there must be a cure that's in there. There must be a cure for the campphobia. There must be a cure just for going to the church in and out, the back and forth, and without, without life to be transformed. When you keep coming, when we keep desiring of God, there must be a cure that God provided for that phobia. And some people that had a phobia of a missing rapture. That's why God introduced you time after time and it puts you to the test, puts you to the trials, puts you to the situation, puts you to the time after time in a situation it seems like you want to get rid of, you just doesn't get rid of. Why? Because God wants you to find the cure that in that situation. Then when you overcome this, then the next come. When the next come, I want to God put you to cure. When you cure, cure that situation, then the next situation come. Seems like a trial after trial, difficulty after difficulty, seems there is no end to it. What well, God is doing that? He wants to fix your phobia of a missing of a rapture. Because if you can overcome this, you can overcome that, you overcome that, that one day will be the final overcoming, then we go into the body change. Some have this phobia of the same habits to come back at again. But you find out that the things that you fear about can never swallow you. And he might try to tempt you. He might try to influence you. But something that's in you, in the gene of God, in the children of God, the more they're facing those things, the more the desire of the Lord. It's something that the more those things they cannot overcome. It's not just driving them away totally in the world, but something in their hearts that, Lord, I want to overcome this. Lord, I know there must be a cure or something. What does God try to do? He tries to cure that phobia. The cure of it is to expose it. Expose you that into that. 
And then you find out of the young people that during the camp time you come up for prayer and you confess it. And that the preaching of the word has exposed the sin that is in your life. Has exposed the things that you cannot overcome that are in your life. But when you come out, you confess it. What you try to do, what you already done, you actually ex- expose to Satan so he has nowhere to hide. When Satan has nowhere to hide, all the demons in the darkness, just like a cockroaches, all the rats and the things, they're searching for darkness to hide. But when a preacher of the word exposes that, and then when you confess it, that exposes Satan. He got nowhere to hide. And then when he got nowhere to hide, then Satan will have to leave. That's the cure of it. Because when lights come, the lights shine upon the darkness, Satan has to flee. In John chapter 20, verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, that's Jesus after he resurrected, when the door was shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of Jews, they have the phobia for Jews. And came Jesus, stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. These people are scared. They're scared those Jews going to find them, uh, find them and arrest them or kill them, just like they killed Jesus. All these things that happened to them, if we can put in the today's version, all the things that happened to us, you find out on YouTube, you, say, you find out on the internet, that this is gone, that don't believe, and this uh, uh, rejected and message and everything. But even in the, all, in the midst of all of that, Jesus manifests himself to them, said, peace be unto you. He want to get rid of their phobia. No matter how many people laugh, no matter how those things has happened, and believe it or not, those things will continually to happen. People will continually to disbelieve. People will become more and more left leave this message. Why we're coming to an end? But it's that things to show to us God wanted to cure our phobia. Because without the darkness, what a light is it about? God wanted to tell us there's a contrast where there's a people live, there's a people stay. Where the people reject, there's a people accept it. Where the people disbelieve, but there's a people believe with all their hearts. That's the cure for the phobia. He said, peace be unto you. And when he says so, he show unto them his hand and his side. His hand was pierced. His side was thrust through. That is a sign of shame. That is a sign of defeat. But the resurrection of the turn a sign of shame, sign of a defeat to the sign of a victorious. The people that live doesn't show the message is powerless. But it's the people that live, but the people that stay that show the power of the message. It's not a sign of a defeat, but it's a sign of a victorious. He showed them the sign of a victorious. 
the sign of the people thinking as a defeat was the people laughing and doing this and your Jesus has been killed and all the things that disbelieve but he turned our sign of shame to the sign of glory he turned our sign of defeat to the sign of victorious you are the victorious Where they reject the message. Where they thrust through. But there's the people who received them. They become the sign of a victorious. That's the law of a contrast. The darker it gets. Makes the light even more brighter. And then the Bible says, then were the disciples glad. Where everybody else is said, where everybody said, but then when it showed a sign of a pierce, showed a sign of the defeat, then the disciple glad. Because they know their Savior, Jesus Christ, has resurrected. When they saw the Lord, he said, as my father has sent me, even so signed I you. There is a greater one living in you. Greater than that is in the world. Purpose? To send you just as he was sent. Is I try to defend, but I try to offense. Now there is a greater one living in you young people older people alike there's a greater one living in you you know many people can do things with the message but very few people can do things for the message it's not just the message helps save my life give me a good job and give me to let me become a good citizen very few people can do something for the message. And the in doing for the message, that's where the blessing comes. In doing things for the message, that shows that you're not just an intaker, but you become an outgiver. What is the blessing of the ministry of this church? Because we have the pastor not just doing things with the message, but doing things for the message. It's the woman that's going to break the alabaster box, pour the ointment on Jesus' head. She did something for the message of this hour. For that hour. Then Jesus said, no matter where preach the gospel, they have to preach what this woman has did. She anointed the word in that hour. She did something for the message. Those disciples only do things with the message. They cast out demons and do this and they do that. But when it comes to the time to anoint the word, to do something for the message, nobody doing it. Nobody saying it. But that woman saw that. She did something for the message. She anoint that word. Let us anoint that word. Let the word live from us. And when he has said this, he breathes on them and says unto them, Receive ye 
the Holy Ghost. He can't send you without let you have the Holy Spirit. He can't send you without equip you first. But when He equip you with the Holy Ghost, it's let you to do something for the message. My time has run out. All we need to do, take the word of God has said, and going forward. Don't let nothing to uh, hold your leg or pull you back. You have the one that is the greater in you, that is the greater than anything else in the world. Now it is a living in you, the greater. It's not just a living amongst us, but it's a living individually inside of you. Brother Tim has a preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Apply the token. And the last Sunday service was a phenomenal. But keeping the Passover. Keep eating the roast lamb. Let a fire bring the flavor of the lamb and all. Oh, what a beautiful word that we have heard. But Abraham said that in the take on the whole armor of God, he said, but you see, if, uh, whatever it had taken to begin with, and whatever God gave them to begin with, that's what it ever remained. In another word, if God has to begin the work, He will forever remain. He's not going to changing back and forth, the left and right. He said, and the tactics of a reasoning is what Satan used, and that's what he ever used, reasoning. If God has a wisdom, has given them begin with, if your life, if your walk with the Lord, begin with the word in this hour, then you will forever remain to be that way. Amen. It's the preaching of the word. The message of this hour that I preached it to you. Yes. If that's the beginning of it, yes. it will forever remaining that way. Amen. God will never change. Amen. But He will use that to change your life. But what is the reasoning? Try to reason it out. Reason it out. Oh, I didn't got this. You know, I, I seems like nothing changed. That is the reasoning. What is the word of God has said? And Brother Bram said, this is very powerful. I want everybody listening to it. He said, any person, any church, any organization, any individual that reasons against one punctuation of God's word, that is your enemy. Keep our ear clear. Yes. Keep our mind pure. Yes. Keep our heart focused on the message of this hour. Yes. Any church, any organization, any individual reasoning on one punctuation that is not your friend, that is not your relative, that is your enemy. Oh, they said it's reasonable. They're, what they said is, uh, they're a good man, they're a good woman, they're good this and they're good that. Any person reasoning on the proof the word in this hour, one punctuation, that is your enemy. 
When you cast down reasoning, then you cast down all fears. Because the reasoning brings fear on you. What if this is not true? What if the experience that I have is not true? What about this message here? What about message there? What about cloud here? What about this and that? All those reasoning is trying to bring fear on you. Bring phobia on you. What to do? Cast down the reasoning. Lord, I don't even understand, but cast down the reasoning. You have to prove it. I don't have to prove again what God has already proved. Who are you? Who am I? Try to prove what God has approved. The love of approved the truth will cast down all fears. In the token message, Brother Bram said, fully obedience to the whole word of God entitles you to the token. Then when we pray, we must have the token to present with our prayers. Uh, if you see, I pray, Lord, but really I haven't. Well, you don't just might as well just stop. Go ahead first to get a token. See, because that token is what he will recognize. He said, Lord, I, when we pray, then we must present a token. Say, Lord, I have obeyed you fully. Full, whole word of God. I have repented all my sins. I feel that you have forgiven me. It didn't say that uh, you're, yeah, you, you, you saw Jesus Christ come in on you. And like what we saw in the, uh, in the, in the skid. And the bread of Philip was a place that it was a Jesus with a, with a garment that was the blood and it come on you and said, I'll stand for you. You might never saw that. But he didn't say that you have to saw a vision. Saw things that has to prove to you that you are forgiven. He said, I feel that you haven't forgiven me. It's the word of a God has said, if we repent and he will forgive. It's based on his word. It's not just to look back what I, what I did this or what I do that based on his word. He said, I've been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is upon me. That is the token. Then in another token message, he said, the full obedience to the whole word of God, to God's entire word, will entitles you to this token. In our mind, we're thinking, in the entire word, I must read the 1200 messages, all read it through. Then I can uh, obey, uh, uh, obey the whole word. He never said that. It's not just I have to listen to 1,200 tapes, all of them from through to through. And then I'll see if I obey the whole word. Watch what he said. How do you do it? He said, full obedience to the whole word of God. But how do you do it? Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the remedy. That is the only remedy. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not something to far reach. It's not something made it complicated. God give you the remedy. That's the cure of the phobia. Let me take this as, a, as an end. In question and answer, a person asks the question, is that is it possible for a Holy Ghost to fail the person, be influenced to do minor things that it doesn't want to do? Does that sound familiar? A fill, Holy Ghost filled a person. I think there's a person probably got a phobia to ask a question. He probably doesn't want to ask about a big thing, big sin, you know, adultery, killing. Brother Branham, Holy Ghost filled person can be influenced by small things. You want to do a little mistake here, do a little wrong there. Can Holy Ghost filled person do that? Is there any Holy Ghost filled person here? Let me read it again in case you're, you're missing. He said, is it possible for a Holy Ghost to fill the person, influence to do minor things that he doesn't want to do? Do you know sin has no size? The smallest sin without a repent to be put in the blood of Jesus Christ cannot be forgiven. But the greatest sin, no matter how great it is, by the repentance and put in the blood of Jesus Christ, can be forgiven, forgotten. Look at the prophet's answer. He said, oh yes. Yes sir. Yeah. He said, a Holy Ghost filled person. You're right in the place then to be drove by those things. It's the Holy Ghost to fill the person can do minor things they don't want to do. Let's just face it. Minor or big, they can do wrong. They can do things that is right. But, uh, but listen to the difference. You don't want to do it. This person asked the question is wrong, but this person also asked the right question. He said it is a minor, but I don't want to do it. That's the whole key. Lord, I don't want to do it before I love to do this. If they said a party, oh yeah, let's go to party. But now you have to drag me to the party. Oh, I don't want to do. It's a Matthew was a play that, uh, that the skin was so, so, so great, so powerful. They were able to drag him into the things that he wants to do. You will be dragging into the things that you want to do. Holy Ghost, a person can be dragged into things they want to, they don't want to do. Yes. Because you are not a perfect, but there is a greater in you that is a greater than anything else. The desire in you that I don't want to do it. That is the greater one. That is that you are right in the place to be drove by those things. You just put yourself up a target. He said, when you're down there serving the devil, he just lets you slouch around any way you want to. If you belong to the devil, he just lets you go, come on, just do whatever you want to do. You're ahead of freedom. You can do whatever that you want. But you once take a stand for Christ, 
you got on the other side there. Then devil would trans every gun right around on you. Every temptation, everything that could be thrown to you, then you got it. But what have you got? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a greater one in here than the one that is in here. There's a greater one in you that is a greater than your body, than your mind, than your reasoning, than your imagination, than your habit, than your lust, than your pornography, than your internet, than everything. There's a greater one that's living in you right now. But what you got, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let a musician come. But Abraham said he wasn't in no battle here. He said you were just slopping along. But now you cleaned up. You dressed it up. You shaved. You combed your hair. You put on uniform. You got a gun in your hand. So let's go. You're in battle. Not to show off. But to fight. In fighting, there's no beauty about it. In in fighting, there's no elegance about it. In fighting, there's no nightship. You know, like a medieval knight. Oh, I want to kill you, but I want to kill you distantly. There's no such a thing. In fighting, that's fighting for your life. You give out everything. Put to the word. Put to the promise of God. That is the promise. That is the weapon that you have. New birth is a mess. And fighting is a mess. There's nothing elegant. There's nothing beauty. There's nothing good about it. You just have to put your whole force to it. Confess your sin. Repent and follow the Lord. When you stumble, when you fall, pick up again. Dust it off, then pressing on. He said, you're in battle. He said, sure, when the temptation rises, with the spirit and the shield of faith, buckle off and move on. He said, oh, put all the whole armor of God. Why do you put on armor? If you're not going to fight. All soldiers are dressed to fight. Not to show off. Walk it out and say, I'm so and so. Now I'm a Christian. See what I am. I belong to so and so. Hallelujah. I got Holy Ghost out of night. Sure, nothing bothers me anymore. He said, uh, oh brother. I believe you better go back and try it again. This is the battlegrounds that you have. Then Brother Brandon said, oh, I'm telling you. When as soon as you see, you got a Holy Ghost. Satan's got every gun, every gun right on you. Have you felt the pressure yet? Have you felt that the lukewarmness has started creeping in right after the camp? Have you feel, have you heard that the lie from Satan that you have nothing? You just a bunch of emotion pumping up and everything. Have you heard that liar that say that lie to you? Right after the camp? That is a good sign. You're on the battlefront right now. You do have the Holy Ghost. Does that make him nervous? 
If he was not nervous, why he say that lie to you? He doesn't bother you. He let you do this. He let you do that. Maybe you've done it secretly. But when you have something in your heart, you want to do serve the Lord, then the devil starts to come in. So the lie to you. He said, it takes a thrill out of you. Take the assignment out. Take the feeling. Take everything out of you. So that you become a dying corpse. And last of the time, you need to rise up and lift up your hand. Say, Lord, I'm in a battle. But Lord, lift my, my hand. Let me pressing on. He says, then you got a whole armor on. Yes, sir. Then take the shield of faith. Yes. The sword of the spirit of the word. Yes. And take the buckle on. To shut yourself with the gospel. And take the old metal piece here, the breastplate. And pull up the cinch on it. And tidy yourself up a little bit. And get ready for it. Because it's a coming. He said, but don't you worry. Yes, sir. You're going to have a plenty of a trouble. But remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let us stand. Are you in the phobia? Are you feared about the things that you want to happen? And it seems like you're already exposed or introduced into the same situation again. But what is the word of God has said? Proverbs 3, 24. He said, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when he comes. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. No matter what Satan tried to say to you, remember what a prophet has said to us. Greater, is that a what? Greater is in, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You haven't received anything else but a greater one that's living in you. Shall we sing to my anchor hose? Let's sing it all together. Let's worship our beloved Savior. How wonderful he is. You know, he never, he never sends you to the battle without preparing you. But when you're preparing you, you know what? You just believe the outcoming is going to be on our side. And because he's already the overcomer. Let's sing it together.